This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, I love this story told by Phil Green. Phil's a minister in Lyons, Kansas. It's another town. I have no idea where it is. Some of you do. And it's a touching story, but a funny story at the same time. He tells about a couple, elderly couple. They've been married 55 years. And he's in the hospital. He's obviously got some vision problems because he had the sense that his wife, Ethel, was there, but he couldn't see her, clearly. And so while he's in the bed of this hospital after 55 years of marriage, he says, Ethel, is that you? Are you by my side? And she said, yes, I am. I'm always by your side. And he softly said to her, remember years ago when I was in Veterans Hospital and they didn't think I was going to make it, you were there with me then. And then you were with me when we lost everything in the house fire. And Ethel, when we had no money, you stuck with me then too. And The man sighed, and he said, I tell you, Ethel, you've been nothing but bad luck to me. (laughs) That's a joke, so don't anybody get upset by it. You've been nothing but bad luck to me. I'm sure if he did say it, he said it with a twinkle in his eye, appreciative of her love and loyalty over the years. This raises the question, though, who's worthy of your lifelong love? Who is it in your life... Besides your spouse or your children, your parents, whatever the case may be, who's worthy of your lifelong loyalty? We live in a disloyal culture. Nobody's loyal to anybody. Nobody's faithful to anything or to anyone. People are fickle. They change their opinions of things. And we're okay with something. We're not okay with something. We tolerate a lot of things in our lives. You know what I found out about tolerance and The message today is about tolerating sin from Joshua. I'm a lot more tolerant of things in my life than I am in other people. Am I the only one? No. You're more tolerant of stuff going on in your life than you are with other people. Parents are more tolerant of themselves than they are with their children. Children are more tolerant of themselves than they are with their parents. Spouses are more tolerant of their issues than they are with other people. Say, why are you talking about tolerance? It's one of two final messages in the book of Joshua, not only in the sermon series, but Joshua gives two farewell messages to the people. He dies at the age of 110. Think of where you're at on the calendar right now and think of living to 110 years. That's a long time. And he's giving his first farewell message to the leaders of Israel. But I want you to hear his message to the leader saying, don't tolerate evil in your life because it's so culturally appropriate today in 2019 to talk about tolerance. We tolerate so much in our lives. And I'm I'm not talking about just being tolerant of other people. I'm talking about tolerance with us. It's in Joshua 23, second to the last chapter of the book, We'll pick it up in verse 6. Be very strong, Joshua says to the leaders. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right 
or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you, and do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. I love that, that he ends with the word love. Well, I want to talk about this in a verse-by-verse method. Be very strong, verse 6. Be very strong. This, If you recognize it, it's a favorite phrase of Joshua. Be strong. You know, it takes strength to be a believer in Jesus Christ in 2019. If you haven't discovered that, you haven't been around much. You have to be strong to believe in a God who created you, the God of creation, the God of redemption, the God of provision, the God who provides. The God of hope is another title of God, and you've got to be a person of strength to believe in the God of hope. There are all kinds of things in your life and in my life that throw themselves at us. Trust in me. Trust in this. Trust in that. To trust in things. To trust in education. To trust in your job. To trust in the government. To trust in the system to provide for you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. And then he says this, this is interesting in light of our culture today, without turning aside to the right or to the left. You know, who would have thought back in Joshua days that the terms right and left would have significance as they do now politically? Don't turn to the right or the left. May I tell you what it means? The temptation in life is to look at the Word of God and say, well, I'll follow this. I think that's a good thing, but I'm not going to follow this. Do people do it? Every day. Every day of their lives, they make choices like that. I will follow what I want to follow. Some of you will hear it around Christmas on the radio, but one of my favorite stories about people getting lost is told by T.D. Jakes. You know, the African-American preacher from Texas. And my purpose in telling the story, I know his preaching is not without controversy about the Trinity and so forth. I'm just talking about a story in his life. His dad, he said, was so proud that he would never ask for directions anywhere, and he would never look at a map. Anybody married to somebody like that? No, don't. Oh, we got one hand back here. I'll talk to you later. But he said my dad would never. He was too proud to stop and ask for directions. And he would never look at a map. And T.D. Jake said it wasn't a question of whether we were going the wrong way or wrong direction. He said we were usually going the opposite way. He said if we were supposed to be heading north on Interstate 77 or Interstate 79 through West Virginia, we were going south. If we were supposed to be heading east on Interstate 64, we were going west. And he said, it wasn't a question of my dad going a little to the right or the left. He was going in the opposite direction. Folks, that describes what's happening in the United States of America today in 2019. We're going in the opposite direction. And you know what? Here's the sad thing. You ready for People don't care. They really don't care that we're going in the opposite 
direction that we should be going in. And you know that's true. He said, do not associate, verse 7, with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. What this is saying is it's easy to pick up other religions from the, the people of the land. It's hard to believe, but God's people would actually make sacrifices to a pagan god. And you say, you mean the people that believed in Jehovah God, the, the true God? That's right. They would offer sacrifices to a pagan deity just to cover the bases. And he said, you can't invoke their names. Here's what it means to invoke the name. Well, you know people that are name droppers. They tell you the people they know, and I know him, and I know her. And they're very quick to point out the names of other people. And we can do that with the names of the cultural gods. There are people in our culture, get this, that people worship at the shrine of this famous person. We worship at the shrine of that singer, that athlete, that political person. And we are not called to invoke the names of other deities in our life. We are to invoke the name that is above every name, and that's the name of Jesus. I want to talk about Joshua's age for a minute. 110 years old when he dies. So he's over 100, I'm sure, when he's speaking these words, somewhere between 100 and 110. You think you'd be able to speak at that age? I don't know if I could, but he did. I found this interview of an older man who was 102. I can't find his name. I did everything I could to find his name, but I'm going to share the interview with you or part of it. It was a man who's 102 years old. He was asked what was the secret of his life. He looked up from his old pipe and he laughed and said, all I can say is, don't blink. Don't blink. He said, when you're six years old and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 20. Some of you know what that means, meaning his childhood just flew by. It was like a blink. He said, you miss your babies growing up like mine did, and soon your children are turning into moms and dads. And then he said a touching thing, and then the next thing you know, your better half of over 50 years is dying in bed. And you're praying that God takes you first instead of her. And he said, trust me, friend, a hundred years goes faster than you think, so don't blink. Don't blink. And then he said this, it's best to start putting first things first. Because when your hourglass runs out of sand, you can't flip it over and start over again. Take every breath God gives you for what it's worth. For what it's worth. What Does that 102-year-old man say anything to people? I think he does. Don't blink means... Take advantage of every minute. Know that every day is a gift from God. I share this at every funeral because it's biblical from James. It says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Did you know the book of James says that people make their plans and they say, now next year we're going to do this. In five years, we're going to go to that city. We're going to make money there. And then James says, you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. 
And then James, in the King James Version, by the way, uses a term that I'd never used before, but it's real contemporary today. He uses the word, your life is a vapor. Isn't that interesting with all the interest in vaping and the vapor? Have you ever seen somebody smoke a vape, a cigarette, the thickness of the smoke? And they blow out the smoke, and it's really thick, but what happens a few seconds later, it's gone. And that's the term. I find it interesting. In the King James Version, it says your life's a vapor. The next time you see someone vaping on the street or somewhere in your neighborhood and you see that puff of smoke, remember, that's what James said. That's what my life is. And we'll continue this message on Crossoak tomorrow. Our website is crossoak.org, crossoak.org. Chris Rich is a minister in Marysville, Washington. He says some things as a minister that I have thought, but I've never spoken to people. I've never said this. It's pretty blunt. And I'm pretty much of a politician not to do it, but he's not afraid to say it. So you can hear him say it. Blame him if you don't like this. He said, most of us will not get the opportunity to give a farewell address as Joshua did. And death seems to surprise us all. I recently officiated, he said, a funeral for a man I never met who died in a motorcycle accident. I don't know if he was a Christian. I don't know if he knew Jesus. I was just asked to do his funeral by the funeral director. Funerals are always strange experiences because almost without fail, the deceased individual is made out to be a saint, believe it or not. And while I appreciate the celebration of life, often the person ends up sounding like the most amazing person that ever lived. And if you listen closely through the words and stories of friends and family, you can hear the farewell address, the last words, so to speak, of the deceased. Those things which really were considered important in his life or her life, the essential truth that they would entrust to others given the opportunity. What would be your farewell address to your family? Have you ever thought about that? What would be the farewell address that you would give to your family? I want to suggest that every day you're creating a farewell address if you die tomorrow. Today is the farewell address if you die this week. Today's the farewell address, perhaps, of what you would describe as something that really matters in your your life. And you know it's true. Joshua wants people to remember what God has done. Verse 9, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand. What does that mean? That's an exaggeration to make a point. One of you is able to take on a thousand enemy soldiers. And that's not true. He's not going to last long against a 1,000, but it's a figurative expression, get this, that you're able to do more with the Lord's help than what you are able to do without His help. Remember, the Lord does things through you. In fact, somebody needs to write that down in their heart, if not in their notes, that the Lord does things through you. And He does things through men and women and young people who open up their lives to the Lord. What have you done in the last year that you can point to and say, the Lord did that through me? 
You know, some people would be hard-pressed. Well, I know I got mad at so-and-so, and I did that on my own strength, on my own volition. Well, she made me mad, and I, I had to let her have it. And so we can think of things we've done on our own strength. But what have you done in the Lord's strength? What have you done? Gary McPherson is an author from Australia who's an expert on music. He's written a book about what music does in our culture, how music affects us emotionally. You do know music can affect you emotionally and spiritually. You hear a song sung like we did today, it can have an impact on you. You sing a hymn, that has an effect on you. And he he said something I've never heard before, even though it's very self-evident what he's writing about. Well, I understand this book by Gary McPherson was a very important statement about uh, music for all musicians. I'd like for you to hear the rest of it tomorrow as we conclude on Crossope. Our website is crossope.org. That's crossope.org. Gary McPherson is an author from Australia who's an expert on music. He studied 157 selected children as they picked out and learned a musical instrument. 157 children who've picked out a musical instrument to start the journey on being a musician. Some went on to become fine musicians. Most of them faltered. McPherson searched for the traits that separated those who progressed from those who did not. You know what he found out? IQ is not a factor in musical ability. I don't know if you thought that you had to be smart to be a musician. You don't. Neither was hearing sensitivity, math skills, income, or a sense of rhythm. Here's the best single predictor was a question that McPherson asked the students before they even selected their instruments. Here's what he asked them before they even chose what they were going to play. How long do you think you'll play? The students who planned to play for a short time did not become very proficient at all. The students who planned to play for a few years had modest success. But there were some children who said, in effect, I want to be a musician, period. I'm going to play my whole life. He said, those children soared in their ability, in in large part. So it is with those who choose to follow Jesus Christ. God didn't call you to follow him until something better comes along in your life. This is not a temporary gig, following Jesus. You know, we'll do it for a while until something better comes along. Well, I'll follow Christ as long as I'm able to do it, and I've got time, and, you know, I'm not too busy. It's a lifetime commitment that involves eternity. Remember that. Your coming to Christ is a lifetime commitment that involves eternity. You weren't called to be an overnight wonder, you know, a two-day wonder in the faith, and then we're so-and-so. Oh, we haven't seen him in years. We haven't seen her in years. We were called to be faithful. You know, there's a verse in Revelation, I think 2.10, where John the Apostle gives this admonition, be faithful until what? Death. Be faithful until death. Does that resonate with anybody, what that means? You have been called, and I have been called, 
to follow Christ for the rest of our lives. You alone know what it is you love or whom you love. Let me say that again. You're the only person who knows what you truly love, what I truly love, and then that's a very personal deal. You don't know what the people closest to you really love. You really don't because it's an inside job. It's something in the heart. And I'm asking you today to take verse 11 and say, this is my watchword. It's my mantra. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. The temptation in life, I'll leave you with this, is to love anything but God. The temptation in every young person's life to love anything but the Lord. The temptation in every man or woman's life to love anything but God. And you know what? Love is a decision. Annie and I disagree with this because we've talked about it before, but but I, I say often at weddings that people don't fall in love. They choose to love. And I still basically hold to that. I realize there's an element of falling in love in life but there is a sense in which we decide to love another person. Decide to follow Jesus and decide to love him. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.